I have a very significant uh, announcement to make tonight. Um, um, the, um, due to the uh, graciousness of uh, several of you here in this uh, room, I uh, am the proud owner of several bow ties. But um, uh, tonight, I stand before you for the first time in uh, my history with bow ties, having tied my tie myself. Due, due to the patience and, and, and expertise of Ed Cattu, it only took us about seven and a half hours for him to teach me how to do this. But now, <laughs> oh, is it, is it, oh, great, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Dog! <laughs> and it looks so good in the mirror. Uh, is that all right? It's the clip. It's the clip. Absolutely. I, I tell you what, we'll do this. Just turn up the volume. Okay. Um, and I was so proud. Uh, Romans chapter 6. You know, one of the uh, downsides of this, this treatment of the book of Romans is that we do it in such small pieces. We do it in, you know, a verse a, a night or maybe two verses a night. And, and you, you lose the continuity of the genius of the, the apostle uh, Paul, as he writes this thing, there is such a, such a wonderful connection between, say, verse 1 and verse 16, but you, we've lost that because we've been doing it over, you know, the, the, a series of weeks. But I don't want you to forget that um, Paul is trying to overturn, a, a, um, in, for his mind, a horrific thought, uh, that being that any Christian could ever dream of continuing in sin after having been overcome um, by the reign of grace. Now, um, the, the whole argument of chapter 6 is designed to overturn such a notion. Um, the whole of chapter 6, this whole argument is about the reign of grace and the power that that reign exerts over us as its subjects. So, having said that, keep, keep that in mind. I'll just read the one verse that we're going to look at tonight. Um, it's verse 16, um, where he states, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Again, guys, the, the, uh, the subject of this chapter uh, is about the reign of grace. We've talked about, for instance, in the earlier verses of chapter 6, our union with Christ, that we were buried with Christ, that we are crucified with Christ, etc., our, our identity in Christ. But um, he calls it later on, he calls it a reign of grace. And, and what uh, we're trying to figure out now is the effects of this reign of grace, and how it shows up in the life of one uh, over whom grace reigns. Well, whereas grace exerts a, uh, uh, an influence, a power, so does sin. Um, that's what's being stated in this, do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey. Whether it is sin leading to death or 
uh, a slave of obedience leading to righteousness. Now, that's what he's comparing and contrasting. Both of these have subjects. That is, both sin and grace have... By the way, sin is being personified, as is grace. Um, Both of these uh, serve as masters. As such, both have subjects, dutiful subjects. Um, Both of those subjects, either to sin or to grace, are called slaves. They are not called servants. There's a difference between a slave and a servant. A servant, uh, there's a voluntary element to serving. There is even a wage attached to a servant. But a bond slave is different. And the Greek term is very clearly, there's two different Greek terms, and the Greek term here is the term slave, doulos. Now, According to this text, there are two, and only two, and that's what I want to develop in a minute, but there are two, and only two, great powers that are anxious to um, to possess us. And those two powers are diametrically opposed to one another. Um, not only that... We, by the lifestyles that we demonstrate, declare uh, which slaves we are. That is, whose slaves we are. By the way that we live. The, The slave owner, and there's only two, the slave owner insists upon a certain lifestyle. So if you show me a lifestyle... I will show you under whose reign you exist or whose slave you are. Uh, Now, guys, can you see how wonderfully consistent that is with what he's trying to do in verse 1 as he opens this chapter? He is saying that there's only two slaveries. Uh, You are either in bondage to Christ or you're in bondage to sin. That each one has characteristics, a lifestyle. And so, show me the lifestyle, and I'll show you uh, the master that you so dutifully and faithfully serve. Um, Sin will make slaves out of us, just like righteousness will make slaves out of us. Now, guys, um, this may be a somewhat new thought for you. But just in case it is, uh, and I'm going to come back to this in a minute, I I just want you to, if you could turn to John 8 pretty quickly, you'll see Jesus teaching this very thing. John 8, verse 34, where Jesus states very simply, John 8, 34, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, a more familiar text, one that you uh, know better, is uh, it's found in Luke 16. It's found in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus states, You cannot serve God and mammon. You'll either hate the one, despise the one, whatever. 
But uh, there again, you see, there are only two options, God and mammon. Now, of course, uh, if you jump to the conclusion that mammon means money, then you've jumped to the wrong conclusion. There's a whole lot of other things to be serving uh, under the uh, broader heading of mammon than just money. But the point that I'm making is that there's only two. There are two and only two great powers that seek to possess you. One is righteousness, one is Christ, the other is sin. Now, what I want to do before I go back to that idea is I want to clean up some stuff in the text uh, just kind of so that we can put those aside so that we can concentrate on what I think is, is the major message or lesson from this text. I want you to notice also in this verse, verse 16, what Paul contrasts to sin unto death. Look at the text. Um, you are ones, whether of sin leading to death or... Now, notice what he contrasts with sin leading to death. He does not say either sin leading to death or faith. He says sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Again, he uses this obedience leading unto righteousness... And his purpose is to show how utterly ridiculous it is to suggest that the Christian gospel should ever lead anyone to conclude that they can continue in a life of sin. Now, so you see what he's done. He has just augmented his argument against this horrific suggestion that he mentions in verse 1. Now, so that's just to set aside one little item in the text. What I want to return to is this idea of slavery to sin or slavery to Christ, guys. Um, Salvation is about deliverance from a bondage. Guys, that's what the, the purpose and the point of the book of Exodus is about. You know about the book of Exodus. That's when Moses leads Israel out of the house of bondage. Salvation is about leading one out of a bondage into another one. Out of one slavery into another one. And we're going to contrast those slavers in a minute. But guys, that's the essence of, of the word salvation. If you want to pour some content into the word salvation, then go to the book of Exodus. And what you will find there is a portrayal, a picture of a people who were under a cruel bondage, who were delivered from that cruel bondage, into another bondage. Now, guys, here's my point, or the point that I want to develop with some degree of length. In the 21st century, there is a, there is a sense that, um, number one, the whole idea of being a, a slave of someone is utterly repugnant. There is also the idea that there is a third option. I've tried to underscore that there are two and only two. 
But in the 21st century, people love the concept of freedom. Particularly in the West, particularly in America, the whole idea of individualism, rugged individualism and freedom is one of our greatest, um, I will call it a myth. Because very clearly Jesus states that if, you're, if, you're, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. I showed you that in John 8, 34. He says you, you can't serve one or the other. There's only, you either serve one or the other. But in, in, in the 21st century, one of the main themes of modern discussion and debate is the notion of freedom. And the, the, uh, the, the love for, the quest for, the uh, possession of freedom. But when they, when, they, um, when they talk about freedom in, in, uh, in modern discussion, when a, when a modern mind discusses freedom, um, what they mean is, uh, the, their idea is that they're free from having any lord or any master. They are, they are free from any kind of restrictions on their freedom, um, uh, on their freedom of choice. And what they ultimately mean is... That I am my, I belong only to myself. I am my own Lord and Master. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not freedom. That is autonomy. Um, that's a, excuse me, that's, I put that in the wrong place. Autonomy is a word that means self-rule. Auto, nomos. The Greek word nomos, which is law. But that autonomy is that you are a law unto yourself. Now, gang, that's a modern idea that I belong to myself, and I'm suggesting that that's utterly impossible. It's a myth. It's a fiction. And, and I think all I need to do is point you once again towards John 8, 34, where Jesus states that, or, or Luke 16, where he talks about God and mammon. He doesn't give a third option. It's not as if he says in the Ten Commandments, uh, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, or there's a third option, to have zero gods. No, you either have this God or you have another God. It's not like we move away from the living God into a neutral third option. It is either that God or it is another God of your own making. There is no such third middle ground. Either you are a slave of God's or you are a slave to something else. And in this text... It is simply called sin. Sin is personified. It's animated. But you are never your own. Now, what I'm saying, I realize, is utterly distasteful uh, to uh, 21st century thinkers. I'm saying that what your Bible teaches, our Bible teaches, he, Jesus teaches it, and here we find Paul teaching it, is that uh, either you are a slave to God or you are a slave to sin. You live for something. Um, you live for something or someone. We, we all serve some cause. There is some bottom line to our lives. Uh, we seek something as our highest good. Um, now, I want to read you a little quote from Becky Pippert. You all know that book she wrote. She's written a couple, but the first one she wrote that uh, sold quite well is a book called Out of the Salt Shaker. I want to read you just a little quote from her book. Whatever controls us 
is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. Whatever that Lord may be. Now, let me back up. I said a moment ago, we either serve, you're either a slave to God or you're a slave to sin. Now, in that sin option, oh, there's all kinds of little um, options that you might have. She's mentioned three. Uh, you might seek power. You're controlled by power. You might seek acceptance. You're controlled by acceptance. Uh, you, uh, uh, she only mentioned two. But I can name several for you. How about career? The bottom line of my life is that I've got to have a successful career. You're controlled by career. And as a result, you work too much. Um, your family gets trampled on because you serve the bottom line. The question is, what is the bottom line? Um, in East Memphis, there are many mothers who their bottom line is, I've got to have good kids. My kids can never embarrass me. And so, therefore, their kids control them. You know, guys, we laugh about this. We laugh about it. And, and, and in our home, we've had more serious conversations about it uh, other than laughter. But think about it, ladies. How many of you in here did your children's science projects? And the mothers get together and they laugh about it. They talk about, um, uh, what, what, what did you get on the science fair project? Um, my kid got an A, but the A, you know, you know the point is, um, there's all kinds of little items that we can mention over in this category for sin. Uh, I've mentioned two others. Uh, marriage. Um, you know, gang, you can be a slave of bad things. You can be a slave of some good things. For instance, you could be addicted to drug and alcohol and be a slave of drug and alcohol. That's a bad thing. But you could be a slave of your marriage. And therefore, every hint uh, that your wife has got to go to the doctor or your husband has got uh, some kind of spot on him, it becomes life-threatening. Not just physical life-threatening, but your whole sense of existence is, is, comes crumbling down. Because you are a slave of that thing that you serve. Whatever the highest good that you seek um, and has defined, Susie and I, I call it whatever the life and death issue is for you. It is a life and death issue. For instance, I have got to dress in a certain way. Um, we have a member of our family that I'm telling you this woman is so absolutely, totally and completely controlled by um, what response she's going to get by the people with whom she finds herself, wherever it is, and consequently, clothes become very important. Look becomes style, become bad, and da 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 And she is absolutely tyrannized. Tyrannized. It's not really by clothes. It's by her God. It's by the, 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 the master in her life. Um, whatever you live for is controlling you. Uh, it's the thing from which I draw my significance. My life or death issue 
whether it's good kids, approval by my peers, uh, successful career, whatever it is, whatever, you know, whatever you live for, that's the thing that's controlling you. That's the thing that is um, uh, your life or death issue. Uh, again, whether it be a bad thing or a good thing, I can't stand the idea of ever losing it. And um, if you ever fail to get it, oh my goodness. If you ever fail to get whatever it is that you're living for, then um, it becomes really a, 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 uh, a very serious life crisis. Um, it, it, if you don't have it, it torments you that you don't have it, and it continues to tell you or whisper into your ear that you're going to die without it. I must have this. Uh, and thus, we have become slaves to it. Whatever it is. And guys, it varies from person to person. Um, the frightening thing is, ladies and gentlemen, is that um, Christians can be guilty, indeed, and we are, of acting like, although we have been delivered, acting like we haven't. And identifying something as being so necessary for you so that life can be meaningful. And, you know, I, I simply want to suggest to you tonight that um, you need to consider whether or not you have you've been psychologically naive, uh, so naive to think as, as to think that you are free. You're not free. You are either a slave to righteousness or you are a slave to sin. Now, here's, here's the point that I, I want to hasten to add is that there is only one slavery that leads to freedom. There's only one yoke, ladies and gentlemen, that leads to freedom. And Jesus says very clearly, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But that truth is, ladies and gentlemen, that we are yoked. We are bond slaves of Christ. Guys, I, I think I said this last week. The reason that a bond slave of Christ leads to freedom is because he made you. He designed you. And when you are in um, yoked to Christ, you are living according to design. But every time you live outside of design, you unleash forces of disintegration in your life. To live for something other than Jesus Christ is to flirt with disaster, ladies and gentlemen. Even if it's a good thing like your kids or your marriage. Um, it is to live not according to design, which leads to disintegration. Um, God is the only one, ladies and gentlemen, who can completely satisfy and at the same time completely forgive. Forgive all of the times that we've sought to live for other things. Uh, 
Um, we, we obey, or we are slaves to righteousness, n- not to save us, but in order to free us to live within the scope and the, the parameters of His design. You know, guys, I, um, I said this, and this is somewhat of a... Um, uh, how can I say this? Yeah. It's a somewhat raw thing to say. But years ago, when I did that Skeptics Forum, I don't know whether you remember that, but I, I, tried to, I came up with 12 ideas that were so culturally relevant and, and, and thought by the skeptic. And one of the things that I addressed was homosexuality. And you might remember that my whole argument uh, was that homosexuality is so clearly um, not in accord with design. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody here, and and I hope this is not being too... um, uh, risking too much, but if you are to take the male and female anatomy, there is clear design in it. Clear design. To use it any other way than for which that for which it has been designed is to unleash forces of disintegration like, like no other. And guys, I read this one book and um, uh, in preparing for that one lesson, and the things that we were, that that he was recording in there. He was a physician, and he was recording all of the diseases that have been unleashed because of the the uh, um, the gay and lesbian community and the and the the the, the, the determination to go outside design. Now, guys, please don't mishear me. I'm not trying to use that as some kind of extraordinary sin by any means. It's no more extraordinary than his fornication. It's no more grievous. I'm just using it as an illustration. It illustrates my point concerning design. But, guys, uh, to to, uh, use anything... Um, not to, to function in any way outside of God's design is to unleash forces of disintegration. Um, and I'll, I'll put it positively. Obedience, wherever it exists, lead to freedom, even in the non-Christian world. For example, can two non-Christians have a good marriage? Of course they can. They can have a good marriage... Because they are, unbeknownst to them, honoring principles of marriage that God has put in the design of the institution. They didn't even know that they were doing what Ephesians 5 said. But because they are, even in the world of two people who have no idea what the gospel is, a marriage is functioning and functioning well. Obedience is always going to function and lead to freedom because it is a it is functioning according to design. Um, guys, there's two other things that I, I need to say rather hurriedly to get finished here. Um, if, if you feel like that, that there is some 
bondage that has been unearthed or exposed. Here's what we have to do as the people of God. That is, we have to look at those false gods and say something like this. Whatever the false god is, you know, the good kids or my career or whatever. And we look at the false gods and we say, you are not my joy. You are not my safety. Jesus Christ is. You can't save me, career. You you can't die for me. But Jesus Christ has and or can and has. And so by grace, I'm asking God to slay you. Whatever that thing is that demands that you obey. I want to read you a quote from um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, which, you know, he's one of my heroes. This is... Um, this is for those who, who, who find the concept all so baffling. Just, just listen to this. This is four sentences, five sentences. But you say, I'm not religious. But everybody's religious. What is your religion? Well, your religion is what you rely upon. Your religion is what you live for, is what you hope for. Your God is that to which you give yourself. You give your time, attention, your greatest thought, your money. You live for it. It is the thing that keeps you going. It is what you turn to when life gets so hard. Everybody has a religion. But the question is, what is your religion? I saw a bumper, a bumper sticker not too long ago. Um, and the bumper sticker uh, said simply this. Everybody's a slave. Whose slave were you? Everybody's a slave, ladies and gentlemen. In whom are you in bondage? I want you to notice in the text, one other thing and I'm finished. There is one slavery, whether of sin leading to death. There is one slavery that leads to death. Or of obedience leading to righteousness. The other leads to righteousness and thus to freedom, and thus to life. There's only two slaveries. Whose slave are you? By the lifestyle that you live, we can tell who really is the master. I think that's what the text says, and hope it'll profit you from hearing it. Let's quit. Our Father, I pray that you will... Um, use this text as well as the feeble comments of mine about it to um, alert your people to the danger of um, allowing things to creep in that take over a position in our lives that they should never be allowed to take. A, um, a false god, a false master, a false bottom line that leads to a cruel bondage that convinces us that without it we will die. That is a slavery, Father, that will lead us all to death. And yet you've offered us truth that leads to freedom, truth that leads to um, a life lived according to design, yoked with Jesus. 
And I pray that you remind us that whatever it is that is so imperative for us, it cannot save us. It cannot die in our place. It cannot forgive us. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Only the deepest, only He can meet the deepest longings of our soul and prepare us for eternity. Thank you, Lord God, for opening our eyes to see the beauty of our redemption. Not only have we been prepared for eternity, we have also been set free to live. Now, Father, uh, we rejoice in knowing that you are our master and it is with glad hearts that we own our slavery to you. Be pleased with what you see. Might the world see in our lifestyle that we belong to a different master. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and good night.